0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So we're doing okay? We're doing all right, yeah? Very good, good. Had a good week. We are building into our next week of Nehemiah series. So we have called this one Build in the Battle uh, because what we'll find in the story of Nehemiah, just as I center myself here, in the story of Nehemiah, the walls were built, but whenever building started to happen opposition comes and what some of you will find even this week after hearing a word on a Sunday like last week or any other Sunday you'll find that the enemy wants to come and steal it wants to come and steal the joy that it's creating the peace that it's creating in your life and we're going to talk a little bit about that today of how do we deal with the opposition that comes how do we navigate through that how do we understand the enemy's tactics as well very very important so I'm about, it's one of these mornings where I'm about five cups of coffee in already, so I don't know where we're going, okay, for the next 40 odd minutes a week you'd be going anywhere, I'm really starting to get the shakes now, but we'll just get going for it. So last week, if you weren't here, we talked at Nehemiah, and how Nehemiah was gripped, absolutely gripped, by a passion. For God's, the walls, rebuilding for what God had created him for. And I said last week that you have to have whatever's passionate, whatever you're passionate about in your life, positively or negatively, this is where God can work. It's an indication of where he wants to work. So anything that comes up in your heart this morning, positively or negatively, that's where he wants to speak into today. So I talked about that last week. We said that God can build a new wall with your old stone. With anything you've walked through, any trauma, any difficulty, any history, he can rebuild it to create a new wall in your life. That's the story of Nehemiah. You don't need to live defeated, is what we said last week. The Jews, for a long period of time, they had the temple rebuilt, but for 70 years, they tried to build the walls, and they just couldn't. The enemy stopped them, and they were living as a defeated people for too long. And What we talked about last week is how you don't need to live defeated anymore. And the root issue of this story is about walls being built up in our own hearts, but then allowing those walls to come down and letting God rebuild something. Because Nehemiah's name was Yahweh Comforts the Comforter parallels with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, he restores and he rebuilds. That's what this story is all about. So when the Holy Spirit comes to you this morning, he says, I want to surround you and I want to rebuild something in your life despite the opposition. So we have loads to get through, so let's buckle up. Here we go, and we'll get straight into it. This is about building in the middle of the fight, because what happens when there's a word in your heart, when God has done something in you, and he calls you to do things for him, good works, he calls us to live like that, but it all comes from his grace. What we find is the enemy wants to come in and steal it. The enemy wants to come in and have the opposition against you. And the reality is we need to remind ourselves where our authority comes from. So what we had in the story is there's two guys, Sanballat and Tobiah. Now, they weren't uh, Israelites. They were Ammonites, the enemies of Israel, the longtime enemies of Israel. And they were disturbed that Nehemiah was coming to rebuild the walls. They jeered and they despised Israel when Nehemiah puts it to the Jews that we've got to rebuild this. And what we find in this story, we, we worked up to chapter three. What we find then in three, four, five, and six is the fight is difficult. Building something for God is hard. No matter, even though he's with you, there's still a bit of a graft in life. Sometimes in life when we've got God with us, we're not always walking on water. Sure, we're not. Like, we're not always living from miracle to miracle every day. We have to rely on his grace. And do you know what? Rebuilding things in our lives, allowing him to build something through you, it's difficult sometimes because it, you have to maintain a trust in who God is. And even in this story, the Jews drop their heads. The enemies try different tactics and they scheme, they threaten, and it is to make the Jews continually live in fear because that's what the walls were about. The Jews were a reproach to everybody. They were despised. It was all about shame so in Nehemiah 2 verse 17, and this is probably the key verse that out of the two weeks I want to highlight, and it says that, Then I said to them, this is Nehemiah, to the Jews, You see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision that we may no longer be a reproach, that we may no longer live in shame, that we may no longer live in fear. That's what this was about. It wasn't solely about being physically protected. It was about a spiritual authority of we're no longer gonna live in fear. And the enemy comes and to steal, kill, and destroy. And God comes to you like the Holy Spirit today, like Nehemiah, Holy Spirit, and says, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in shame anymore because I've called you for something greater. So this is the key verse. Those who come against you, they will make you question who has the higher form of authority. Remember we spoke last week for those that were here, the God of heaven will give me success. Despite what the enemies say, despite what the opposition says, I'm not going to concern myself with their schemes, their plans. I'm just going to keep trusting God. The God of heaven will give me success. So we work through this opposition and I want to start in Nehemiah 3 because we talked a little bit about this not suffering derision last week. Nehemiah 3 is where the building starts to happen. And I talked a little bit about there was a couple of individuals last week that shows that it's grace and grace alone. No matter your failure, no matter your difficulty, God's working in your life. But in Nehemiah 3 verse 1, who starts the building work in our lives Jesus and only Jesus. Okay, we know that it's based on His finished work, but it's right here in this story, Nehemiah three verse one. It says, Eliashib is the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place. Now, in a chapter like that, it can be a bit random. There's lots of details. There's lots of names. But right at the start, as after Nehemiah said, "Let's build the wall," the first person to build the wall is the high priest a picture of Jesus starting the work in your life. He starts it, he sustains it, and then he finishes it because it starts at where the sheep gate. Now, for those who know a little bit about Israel, Jerusalem, the sheep gate was where what walked through? The sheep, the lambs, the sacrifices. That's where the work started. So you have a picture of Jesus here, Eliashib, I'm starting the work in your life. We're starting at the place of sacrifice. We're starting at my finished work. And then all the way at the end of the chapter, they finish at the sheep gate. Your life, what God wants to build in you and build through you, starts and ends with him. It is not about your performance. It's not about how much can I build for God? Will I be successful? No, it starts with Jesus. And you know what? He starts the work in your life, folks. He starts it, he sustains it, he commissions it, and he finishes the work. It's always been about him, always. And this is Old Covenant, this is Old Testament. And right here, this picture of Jesus, I'm gonna start it in your life. So therefore we know in Philippians, that what God has started, he will what? Bring it to completion in my life. That's where this work starts, with Jesus, commissioned by him, restored by him. And Eliashib, the name of the high priest, it means God restores God restores, God builds, God starts, God sustains, and he is gonna finish the work that he started in your life. So if you don't have a situation yet that has turned into good, then he's not finished with it yet. He's not finished with it. As was shared by Maggie, he works all things together for the good of those who love him. So See if it's not good yet, he's not done. He's not done if it's not good. And that's where Jesus is the cornerstone. He starts building the work. He commissions it. He puts the desire in your heart and he will sustain it for you, church. Yahweh comforts. We know as well in Scripture and Ephesians and in 1 Peter, it talks about how we're living stones. The Bible says we're living stones being built up, a holy priesthood, a spiritual house to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's all done through him. He's the cornerstone. So see if you're trying to muster up, I've got to do stuff for God. I've got to work hard at it. He says, I am the cornerstone, build on me like the sheep gate. Build there, start there, finish there. And that's all about righteousness, the sheep gate. Through where the sacrifices were, that's where they started to build. And Nehemiah didn't build that, the high priest built that. Jesus is building in your life. So they start to build, but what we then see is they then have the opposition comes. And those two guys, Sanballat, Tobiah... They, when they heard that they were building the wall, it says in Nehemiah 4, they were angry. They were enraged. They jeered at the Jews. And they then started to belittle the work. They then start to say, Will, what are these Jews doing? They're feeble. Will they restore it for themselves? Will they finish in one day? Will they revive these stones out of the rubbish, out of the rubble? They even say that if a fox goes up on the wall, it'll just break. It's going to be useless. And they start all of a sudden To discourage the Jews, to discourage Nehemiah, the second that the work starts. Not when they're halfway through, as soon as they start. Anybody ever have God do anything in your life and the next moment it's almost robbed from you? The enemy's trying to steal your joy, steal your peace. Anybody at all? Or am I just talking to myself? It happens, right? Anytime you start something for God, even though He's commissioned it, The enemy wants to steal your joy and your peace. He wants to stop you working. And I don't mean law against grace. He's done it all, church. I mean, the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. We believe, we expect, we see God. The enemy wants to stop you doing that. And they start to belittle the the Jews. They start to belittle what they're doing. But what it says here is they start, Nehemiah prays, and he says in chapter four, hear, O God, we're being despised. And he just says, turn back their insults onto them. And then this verse that we just had up there, if we can put that back up, it's verse six. He prays to God and he just goes, yeah, so we built the wall. We just started building. I prayed to God, I committed it, and we just started to build. We did not concern ourselves with what God was doing with our enemies. We just started to build. I've prayed, I've committed it to God. He can deal with them. I'm just getting building. And all the wall was joined together to half its height because the people had a mind to work. God answers the prayer. God answers your prayer when people come into your lives and question why you're doing what you're doing, question why you're believing what you're believing, and God answers your prayer by giving you a mind to keep working, to keep building. Not always, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this, does he The enemies disappear from you because the enemy will try time and time and time again. Here's the thing. He is a defeated foe already, church. But he will answer your prayer by strengthening your hands and just giving you a mind to keep going no matter what happens in your life. And this is the story of Nehemiah. See, discouragement begins immediately. Now, discouragement is the opposite of faith. It takes your mind and your heart and your focus completely off God and his promises and it recreates reality almost and allows you to put your mind on worry. What if? What if it looks like this? What if it doesn't work out? What if I don't have enough? What if God will not come through for me? So really, discouragement is like faith inverted. It's a little bit like faith reversed. And the enemy will use tactics like this. And he'll also put an element of truth in discouragement. Now, Sanballat and Tobiah weren't wrong when they said, Will the Jews build this in a day? I mean, they're quite feeble. The reality is, the Jews were feeble. The reality is, the Jews couldn't do it in a day. But with God, all things are possible. There will always be an element of truth in what the enemy says to you. He will always point your direction and your focus back to your own effort and your own ability. And you know what? Not to offend you, he's kind of quite right. We don't have the resources, we don't have the strength to fight against what the enemy is doing in our lives, but we have the resources and the strength to keep building what God's put in front of us. And God will deal with your enemies. God will deal with those who deal in fear, amen? That's how it works. So there'll often be an element of truth, but presenting, presenting yourself the facts of how will I do this? How will I get on with this? I'm feeble, I don't have enough It's a risky business relying on your own strength. I think everybody can testify to that. It's a risky business relying on your own strength. It's a little bit like Googling your symptoms, you know, and you've stubbed your toe and you're going to be dead in 13 minutes. Like, you know, we've all done it, right? We've all been there. We present the facts to Google, and the prophet Google tells us that we're going to die soon. We need to get our affairs in order. We need to talk to our family and friends. Like, it's not a good deal just presenting the facts. You've got to remind yourself of the ultimate truth. That God is who He says He is, and not developing these irrational fears that because it didn't work in the past, I can't do it again. Keep your eyes on God, commit your future to Him, and just keep building. So I love that attitude from Nehemiah. It's like less a fair attitude. So we just kept building. So, you know, yeah, the enemy was there, but we just kept building. That's what God's calling you to do, and not to develop these irrational fears. I have three irrational fears, by the way, Um, and I'm going to tell you them. Uh, Andrew always talks about, well, Andrew sometimes says some nonsense stories, doesn't he? But, like, no offense to him, but it's amazing when you're up here what comes out. This is like confession. So I I have three irrational fears, and one of them is, like, whenever I'm up here, I feel like I'm going to look down, and my laces are tied together, and I'm just going to fall like a tree. Like, total irrational fear. Like, I mean, I, I walk up and down the stage all the time. But it's an irrational fear. I'm going to fall off the stage or something. That's another one. The second one is like anytime I sit on a table, like I feel like it's going to topple. Do you know? So like if you see me in there ever sitting on, you'll just watch me and I'll just just lower myself. That's the second irrational fear. And the third one, and nobody is allowed to tell me this has happened. Whenever I talk to people, I get this irrational fear that I'm, I'm going to spit a wee bit and like just like it's just going to land on your lip. And now... Now, I can't tell if that's ever happened to anyone. Please don't tell me it has. Otherwise, you're just really good actors and you're, just, you're able just to carry on the conversation after I've spat on your lip. So there are three irrational fears, right? But the more you think about fears and the more you have them, the you ruminate on them, you start to believe it's going to happen, even though there's no basis for our irrational fears. And our lives are no different. We start to believe This didn't work out last time. It's not going to work out this time. What if I don't have the strength? What if I don't have the energy? What if God doesn't come through for me? Remind yourself of the truth. God has put something in me, and I'm just going to keep building. No matter what, I'm going to keep going. That's what this story is about. So God answers this prayer by strengthening his people. He gives them a mind to work. Victory begins in here. Victory begins in your mind. It doesn't begin with your outward circumstances. It believes and expects faith. That's what faith does. It believes and expects, and it starts in here and in here. The word for mind is actually the word labab, and it's the word for heart. So people had a heart to work, not a mind, a heart deep down in their core. They believed that God was gonna help them work. That's what this word means, labab. It's a, it's a sense of, let me see where it is. It's this Real, deep, inner man, your inner, your inner intellect, the seat of your emotions, it's used very widely for feelings, for your will, but it's used for the center of your being, the very center of your being. So God's saying, I just don't want to give you a sense where, oh, we can do this, God, and muster up a mind to work. No, he's saying, I want to transform your heart deep down in here, that no matter what comes against you, I just keep building. I just keep believing. I just keep expecting. And God wants to transform your heart to give you that heart, that mind to keep going. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart, labab, the center of you, with diligence. This word diligence is actually, it's called mishmar in the Hebrew word, and it's, it's a place of confinement or a jail or a prison. So what that means when it says keep your heart or it says keep watch over your heart, it doesn't mean you just watch it and just make sure you're protecting it. It's like it's in prison and you're a guard and you're making sure it's not going anywhere. You've got to keep your eyes on your heart. What has God spoken to me? What has he said to me? What has he promised? And I'm going to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. That's what it's like. So you're a guard of your heart. And you make sure that your heart remains fixed on him so you keep building. That's what that word means, the center of you. And he is calling you to keep watch on your heart, to keep watch on your thinking. Guard your mind to build. And I wanna challenge some of you, what have you a mind to build for? What have you a heart to build for in your life? Because as we said last week, it's more than just me, myself, and I. It's about building building the things that God has put in my heart, believing, dreaming that he can continue to use you and work in you and through you and around you. It's the same word, Labab, for actually the Pharaoh's heart in Exodus. He hardened his heart. He said, I am not going to let you free. Harden your heart, folks, against what the enemy is trying to accuse you of harden your heart against what the enemy tries to make you believe. Say, I'm not going that way. I'm not believing the lies over my life. I'm watching my heart and I'm softening to who God is. That's what that word is. So harden your heart against the lies because the enemy deals in lies all of the time. And we're going to talk a little bit about this as well. Now, I don't have the time to go through all of the enemy's schemes in this story, but the threats continue Repeatedly in the story, they start to build. Sanballat and Tobiah belittle the work, and then what happens? They get to the halfway point, and even the Jews, the own people of Nehemiah, come to him and say, "We've got to, We've got to stop. We are fatigued. We don't have enough strength." See, once you start and once you try and sustain something, fatigue can set in. But what Nehemiah's response in is every point is, "We've got to keep watch and we've got to keep going." They come against them, they threaten them. Then what happens is they threaten physical violence in chapter four. But Nehemiah is not deterred by the lie and the fear that they're gonna stop us. Because the reality is, folks, and this is really, really key, Sanball and Tobiah, as I said last week, they had no legal authority to stop Nehemiah because Nehemiah had letters from the king to say he could rebuild the wall. But the enemy will threaten you will threaten physical violence, will threaten to harm you in your life so that you stop building. But he doesn't have any authority to stop you building. He just has authority to make you believe you shouldn't. He has the authority to make you believe I shouldn't keep going for God. But he has no authority to stop you because you've been given the authority from God. Remember, the God of heaven will give me success. So that's what this story is about. The enemy trying to deal with your authority. And they're furious in the story because they had no power to stop Nehemiah. No power to stop you either in your life. They had no legitimate authority whatsoever to stop the work of God. See, the enemy only has power to present you with a lie that if you partner with it, it becomes a legitimate fear in your life. The enemy only has the power to present you with a thing that's not true, but you have the power whether you partner with it or not. And that's the truth, whether you legitimize that fear in your life. And as I said, fear is faith reversed. I legitimize fear when I partner with any lie. The enemy tries to recreate reality and tells you that because of your situation, because of your diagnosis, because of your relationships, because of what you're facing, you can't see the goodness of God in it. But you get to choose whether you believe that lie or not because the enemy's not going to stop presenting you with lies. He's a father of lies. He has been from day one, but he will continue to present these things to you. But you have the choice of how you respond to that. Viktor Frankl is a survivor of Nazi concentration camp, and he has a book, uh, it's Man's Search for Meaning. He's a, he's a sci- psychiatrist. And in his book, because he was in the Nazi concentration camp, he talks about there's between stimulus and response, there is a space. So between the thing that comes against you, the thought, the situation, and your response, there's a space in between the two of those things. And he says that the space is our power to choose our response to what we've just experienced. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. You have the ability in any and every given situation between it happening and you responding to make a choice, to make a choice that you're going to respond in faith over fear. That's your choice and God gives you that choice to say I'm building anyway. Keep building with me, and what's your choice? No matter what happens to you, no matter what you experience, that is the choice that you have to make. Opposition is not a one-time deal in your life. The important thing to note, as I said already, the ambush, the threat of physical harm, it never actually comes in the story of Nehemiah. They never actually attack them because they have no authority. The enemy has no authority over you if you're a child of God. You are changed, and inner, your inner man is changed, you're a new creation as Maggie said, you're completely transformed. Therefore, God will protect you when you are building. God will protect you when you're working for him, when you're praising him, when you're praying, when you're expecting, when you're believing. God will do the protecting. You just gotta keep building. You just gotta keep believing. So this is what comes, and we'll work through a couple of things that the enemy does as well. This is in chapter four. Then what we have in chapter six is, it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah that the wall had eventually been rebuilt. It eventually had happened. They had worked and they believed and they trusted despite threat of the enemy, despite the lies, despite the belittling, despite the discouragement. And it says that they say to Nehemiah, come and let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they, this is what Nehemiah says, but they intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? They sent this to me four times. And I answered them in the same manner. The work has been done. And now at this point, the enemies come against Nehemiah because they want to distract him from what God's just done. Many a time in our lives, God has accomplished something in us and through us. We've seen his hand. We've seen his work. And as soon as it happens, the enemy knows he can't stop you. It's already happened. He wants you to forget about what's just happened. He wants you to forget about what God has just Done in your life. But Nehemiah's reply is he does not concern himself with anything other than what God has put in front of him, than anything else that God has built through him. There's a reason that the Israelites used to stack up stones so that when they walked through that location, they remembered what God did there. Nehemiah said, I'm not stopping for anybody. I'm going to keep building, I'm going to keep seeing, I'm going to keep celebrating what God has done in my life. The enemy, folks, wants you to get your eyes off what he's done through you, what God has done through you. He wants you to get your eyes off it and he wants you to forget all of the things in your past that God has brought you through. And it sometimes will seem like a good offer. The enemy's here, they made an offer of peace. Come and meet us in a neutral ground and let's talk it out. The enemy doesn't care what you do as long as you're not keeping building. He doesn't care if you pray about him, by the way, folks. The enemy doesn't mind if you pray and pray and pray about your enemies because he'll get you off building for God. The enemy doesn't mind if your prayer life is filled with casting out demons and devils because he'll get your mind and your eyes off in the inner transformation of your heart, the finished work of Jesus. God's anointed me, God's gifted me, God's blessed me and I can keep building. So fill your boots with your prayer life of praying against the enemy, but don't stop Building. Don't allow for a second that distraction to come in because if he can get you off your destiny, it doesn't really matter if you dialogue with him. Nobody in scripture dialogued with the enemy and one apart from Jesus. Nobody in scripture. So don't allow the enemy, even though sometimes distraction from our friends, distraction from people who care about us, distraction from our enemies, the voices we hear in our own head, even though it sounds good at times, God says, do not stop building. Don't allow the the work of God to lose don't lose your view from that is what God says. Keep going. And some of you need to hear that today, and that life is hard at times. And boy, do I know it. Life is hard. Life is challenging. But God has given me an assignment, folks. And it is to proclaim His goodness no matter where I am, where I go, who I'm with. He is always good. He's always with me. He'll always protect me, and He'll always love me. And you can get to see it. That is what God has put in your heart. He loves you. He's for you. He's got something for you. He's got a future for you. And as the song says, folks, fear is not my future. Sickness is not my story. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. You're my home. You're my future. You're my present, my past, my future, and you're always with me. Remind your heart of that that he has built in you something special. He has gifted you, anointed you, and no demon or devil in hell is gonna stop you when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't allow him to steal what he's done in your life. Because I said already, opposition's not a one-time deal. You're gonna hear God's word on a Sunday, or you're gonna listen to a podcast or read scripture, and the enemy's gonna try and steal it. Keep building, keep going. God has given you something special in your life. And that's his reply I'm not coming down there. I'm in the middle of something. God has given me something in my heart. I'm not coming down. You can ask me four times. I don't care. I'm keeping going in my life with what God's given me. You see, distractions are only successful if I give them my attention. They only work if I give them my attention. They only work if I look at them. And He said, I'm not even going to acknowledge it whatsoever. So guess what? And here's the the great news. The enemy doesn't stop, folks. He continues to go in this story again and again. So we've had, how many is that? Like six or seven times at least. Then they send a fifth time to Nehemiah. And they go, oh, we can't get him down. We can't get him to stop the work. We can't get his eyes off it. We can't belittle him. We can't discourage him. We'll send an open letter. And this is what they do in verse five, in verse five in chapter six. They sent an open letter. And it said, it's reported in the nations that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews intend to rebel and that you're actually building the wall because you wish to become their king. You've also set up the prophets to proclaim there's a king in Judah. When the enemy can't get you to stop, when people can't distract you, deter you, they'll go after your reputation. They'll go after who God's called you to be and they'll try and again transform what God's done in your heart to get your eyes back onto yourself. People will tell lies about you. People will change their view of you, not just enemies, but sometimes people who are close to us. When the enemy can't get you to stop, he'll then get you to focus on yourself and what's in here and what people call you and what people say. That's what will happen. And some of you have experienced that in your relationships, in your family relationships. Some of you experience people saying, we'll get them to stop working. We'll get them to stop believing who God is. What do you believe about God is far, it's too far-fetched. He's not good all the time, is what people will say. And they'll start to label you as, they're just crazy believers, those exchange not. They just keep believing that God is good and that he wants us well. And he wants to provide for us. And they'll start to question and they'll come after your reputation. So it's an offer of peace. Sounds good and then an open letter to destroy his reputation. A note on relationships, because sometimes it sounds good whenever people come against us and when people want to offer us peace. Just a note on relationships. Some people will only like the version of you that they could control. Some people will only like that version of you that they could control. But when you start to exercise autonomy over your own destiny, that's when you experience opposition from people, because they can no longer control you. And some people have that with close relationship in their life, not to put point too hard on the pulse there, but that's the reality. When they can't control you anymore, uh, people will start to say that you've changed and that you're different. Um, and that's what happens. People will start to say to you, people around you, because again, in this story we had the Jews came and said, we're too fatigued, we can't keep doing this. People will question you and they'll actually tell you that, you, that you've changed because you keep believing who God is and you keep having these beliefs about God that he's good all the time, but they're not seeing it and they'll try and undermine it and they'll tell you that you've changed. So not on those relationships, they'll say that it's difficult for you to be loved. No, you're just, you're just harder to control when you're walking in the destiny that God's given you. You're just harder to label and harder to manipulate. And God says to you, keep believing what his word says about you no matter who comes against you, enemies or friends You keep believing what he's spoken over your life because people who don't understand what God's put in your life, they'll question it because they don't understand it because they don't have the revelation of what God's given you. You've got to continue just to believe what he said over you. Some of you have loved and really loved uh, in relationships and at times we get hurt by others because of our willingness to act in line with the character that God's given us. And this is what happened with Sambal and Tobiah. Nehemiah believed that God had given him an assignment and Sanballat and Tobiah were furious because they could no longer control Nehemiah. They could no longer control the Jews because the Jews decided we are not living in fear anymore. We are no longer living in shame. We are no longer living small. We're going to believe who God is and what He's spoken over our lives, and we're going to rebuild something in our lives. Don't change who God has made you to be. Do not live smaller. Do not belittle yourself because other people see you differently. Keep moving forward with who God has created you to be, church. So the good news is, it doesn't stop there either. So there is another, another attempt from the enemy. And it's, it's all about self-preservation in this story because Sambal and Tobiah, they were all about protecting themselves. All about exercising control over people, exercising autonomy over people. And what we find in chapter 6 is that Nehemiah goes into the house of Shemaiah and Shemaiah was in his home and he was a prophet. And he actually says, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. Nehemiah's response is, should I, should such a man as I run away? And what man could actually go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And Nehemiah says, and I understood then saw that God had not sent Shemaiah but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose, he was hired that I should not be afraid and act in this way in sin so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Yet again, he is faced with opposition through people who mean well, who say the right kind of thing. Let's, let's escape from the enemies. Let's get away from the enemies. Let's protect ourselves, Nehemiah. Let's go into the temple. And it's only after Nehemiah realizes that wasn't right. Because again, it was an attempt to make me focus on myself, protecting myself so that I'm no longer exposed to fear. I'm no longer exposed to the enemy. And this is what the enemy will do. He will discourage you in the start, he'll try and stop you building. He realizes he has no authority, so he'll try and let you think that you can't keep building. And then what will happen is there'll be a threat of harm. And then there'll be the four attempts to distract you. And then after that, there'll be an attack on your reputation. And then after that, they'll send someone who looks good, who looks right, and they'll encourage you to keep protecting you and yourself. And they'll encourage you to keep just living for you. Just protect yourself. Go into the temple and forget about the enemies. And again, Nehemiah says, should a man such as I, whose God has given me an incredible assignment, should I really stop? And he realizes that actually that Shemaiah wasn't sent from God at all. So the tactics are always the same to get you to stop, to get you to stop showing up, to get you to stop showing up week after week. And I don't just mean on a Sunday, like it's about everywhere you find yourself, whether your' families, whether your workplace, whether your' friends, keep showing up and declaring who God is, folks. keep showing up no matter what. That's what God has put in your heart. And it's not about standing on a stage proclaiming who God is. It's about continuing to believe. It's about continuing to open scripture and say, God, I don't understand how this is going to work out, but this is what your word says. So God says to you, keep believing, keep moving forward, keep building no matter the distractions. And the tactics are always the same. See, to be manipulated by anybody, the enemy, the voices that we have in our heads, the fear that's around us, The enemy will try and exert power and control over you. But to be manipulated, it actually requires me to participate in it. The enemy will attempt it, but it actually requires me to believe the lie. It requires me to partner with it. Manipulation is only successful as long as I agree to be influenced by it. It's only successful when I agree. Yeah, okay, that that sounds good. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to believe for anything anymore in my life because I was let down in the past. How is it going to work out? I don't have the resource. And the enemy again wants you to put your eyes on yourself. And as we know, because I'm sure we can all admit we we are afraid of things in life at times, when something makes you afraid, it does occupy your mind and your heart. It occupies space in there that otherwise needs to be for faith and believing who God is. Fear will seek to occupy valuable space in your life and keeps you from the promises that God has spoken over you. When we are discouraged, when we live in fear, we are tempted to operate in that and live live smaller. But what you need to do is we need to expose ourselves more often to these atmosphere where we believe in faith. I said this last week that faith is not out of operation just because your circumstances aren't positive. Faith continues to work, continues to believe. You can continue to believe for the impossible in your life even though you're in the circumstance that doesn't match up because faith, it doesn't require positive circumstances to work. It just requires a belief and a trust in God that he can work and he will work through you. So we need to expose ourselves to those environments. And some of you, the enemy has come in and has told you a lie that you can't believe anymore. You can't believe anymore for your health. You can't believe anymore for your provision. You can't believe that that relationship is gonna get any better. There's no way you can build in that. There's no way you can see God build something in your life. Expose yourself again to believing, to opening up your heart, and allowing him to labab, transform that heart and believe that he can do it again. As I said, if it's not good yet, then God isn't done with it. If it's not good, he's not done. And some of you need to know that because God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Expose yourself more often to those environments where you might become under attack where you might experience opposition. Because like I said last week, if you're being opposed, if your belief in your own head's being opposed, you're in the right place. Because the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. The enemy doesn't want you to keep building in your life. So expose yourself to those environments. Recently, over the last year or two, I have been doing, like all the cool kids do now, is a cold water therapy, cold water exposure, some of you will know this, because I've talked about it, and talked about it, and talked about it, I got myself a wheelie bin, okay, to sit in, it wasn't, it was like, it was clean, like, it was like, it was a clean wheelie bin, and I bought myself a wheelie bin, filled it up with water, cold water, and I started to dabble in this cold water exposure stuff, because it's good for your health, good for your immunity system, all that sort of stuff. I know it's a bit weird, but um, I started to do it, and there's something amazing when you expose yourself to extreme environments, okay? You build up a tolerance to cold water, and I did a challenge last year. I was doing it every single day, like a madman in my garden, like looking, and the neighbours could see me and stuff. All I would say is that it makes bin collection day really interesting when the bin men show up and you're just in your wheelie bin, like so... (laughs) It's quite amazing. They can just see you through your fence like he's a loser. So what happens when you expose yourself to a cold environment, anybody who's done this will know, your mind will start to tell you, I can't do this. I need to get out. This is too hard. There's no way I can sit in this any longer than 10 seconds. But what happens the more you do it, the more you expose yourself to an extreme environment, whether it's cold or heat, your body starts to get used to it. You become accustomed to it. Your brain no longer thinks you're dying and actually you then can know I can get through this and you experience the benefits. But I haven't done it in months apart from last Sunday. Now, I used to have a personal best of like 10, 12 minutes, right, feeling brilliant, after 10 seconds last week, I was struggling as my neighbor was like watching me through the fence. Like, you know, as I'm just like, this is awful. But what happens when you don't expose yourself to these environments, you start to believe the fear in your head. I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm never going to get through this. And if you haven't done it, don't judge me. It's absolute agony for the first like two minutes. But the reality is if you don't expose yourself to this environment, you won't believe you're getting through this. And what happens is the mind's voice, the flesh, it just turns down the more and more you do it. It just turns down. I no longer get in the bin after doing it 10 days in a row and think, I can't do this. I think, flip me, it's cold in here, but I don't think I can't do it. And God is saying to you, expose yourself to environments where you're gonna experience opposition, but where you get to operate in faith. Because the more you operate in faith, the more you expose yourself to believing the things that he said, yes, the enemy will come against you. But you'll learn to turn down the voice of fear. You'll learn to turn it down and you'll say, I'm not believing it anymore. Because I'm too used to operating in faith. I'm too used to saying, We talked about plan A. I'm too used to believing that it's God's plan or I'm screwed. That's the reality. Put yourself in those moments. So if you have something in your life, it's an impossible situation, start building there. Start believing he can turn it around for my good. As Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God turned it for my good. Start to believe again and allow God to redeem that in your heart. If any of you are on social media, you will have seen this this week. Fear asks what if, but faith declares even if even if I have a thousand enemies trying to distract me, even if I'm not well, even if I don't feel good about this, even if I have no job, even if I don't know where my provision comes from, even if I don't know about protection, even if I can't hear or see the goodness of God, I am keeping building in my life because he hasn't left me. I don't feel it at times, but faith tells me he works all things together for my good. He's with me all of the time and he won't leave me, church. That is truth. Tell your heart that again, even if. Fear says, what if this doesn't work? What if you can't believe for that? What if the situation never turns around? Even if, says, even if I don't see it, I'm gonna keep building in my life keep moving forward. That's where you see more of Jesus when you operate in faith. That's where you become who you were created to be. Nehemiah, the worst thing he could have done when he heard in chapter one about the report of the walls being in ruin, the worst thing he could have done would be, ah, I really hope someone gets around to that. That's a real shame. He said, no, in my heart, God has gripped me And I'm gonna build. I don't know what it looks like. I haven't inspected the walls yet, I haven't seen the enemies, but God has put something in my heart and he went and got permission and he went. God has put something in your heart. Allow him to work in that and allow him to build something in you. Nehemiah, I said this last week as well, was positioned for purpose. He was a cupbearer. Now, if anyone knows anything about a cupbearer, I hadn't realized this. I thought it was just like a wee fancy wee job. No, a cupbearer is you taste the drink before the king is given it to make sure it's not poisoned, to make sure that the king doesn't die. So Nehemiah, and this is so key for all of us, he had been positioned for purpose. He had been up the ranks where he's beside the king, but he had faced death daily before he had come to Jerusalem, where he's facing threat of death again. What you have experienced in your life has prepared you for where you are now. It has prepared you for what God has put in front of you. It's prepared you for the next enemy. Nehemiah had faced death every day. The enemies you're facing today, you've faced them before because the tactics are the same. It's always about fear. It's always about getting your eyes off who God is and onto you. And Nehemiah comes and says, I'm not stopping And some of you in your life, you'll say, Adam, you have no idea what I've walked through. And God says, yeah. I've used it and prepared you and strengthened you so that the next thing that comes up, the thing you're dealing with right now, the thing you're dealing with next week, next month, next year, I've prepared you for it. I have built something in you. You just thought it was mundane, tough, tough situation. The enemies, they're coming against me. I can't believe it's really difficult. No, God was preparing you for this moment. It's like David in the story of Goliath, he had said in 1 Samuel 17, He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine, Goliath. David had spent years preparing and he didn't know what he was preparing for. He didn't know what God was working in him when he was defeating the animals, he was protecting the sheep, but he was preparing David for this moment. David didn't actually foresee that he was going to be fighting the giant that day. A lot of people talk about the five stones and David, you know, he's anointed king and he had a difficult task in front of him. He actually didn't know he was going to fight Goliath that day. He was just sent down by his dad to bring his brother some lunch. But he showed up and in front of him, he had Goliath. Some of you have a situation in front of you you had not expected. You did not know it was going to happen. It has come out of the blue and you don't feel you have enough and you're not equipped to deal with it, God says, I have been preparing something in your life. I have prepared you every situation and everything you have, everything you need is in here because he has deposited in you. Every bit of strength you need, every bit of faith, it's a gift to you. You can face whatever you have going on. You can face it. So that's why Nehemiah was successful. He could say to Sanballat and Tobiah, you have no idea what I faced in my life before this moment. You have no idea the death I have faced daily, the the situations, the circumstances that I have faced and put myself in. And God has brought me through every single one of them. So you, Sanballat and Tobiah, enemies about building the wall, no problem. I am not stopping building because what God has done in me and through me, like the Israelites who stack up the stones, I remember that. Some of you, remember what he has done in your life. Remember what he's spoken over you because he's done it for a reason so that you can keep moving forward, grace to grace, glory to glory. Keep moving forward. As I finish, it is just keep building. Just keep moving forward. What we see at the end of the story Nehemiah 6, verse 15 to 16, because Nehemiah kept going, it says So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Your job is just to keep building. Whatever God has put in your hands, whatever he's put in your heart, use it, bless people with it, allow him to bless you with it, keep moving forward in your life. His job is to deal with your enemies. His job is to turn their fear that they try and sow into your heart back onto them. That's what his job is. The enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion, folks, he is defeated already already defeated, and you just need to concern yourself with what has God said to me. I am not giving it a second thought about what the enemy's trying to do in my life. I'm just keeping going. I keep building. And then as it says, our enemies heard of it. Not that we had built the wall, but it had been accomplished with the help of our God. As I said last week, what couldn't be done in a lifetime, the temple walls had not been been built, but the walls had not been rebuilt. For 70 years after the temple, 150 years in total since exile, what couldn't be done in a lifetime can be done in a season with the Holy Spirit. When Nehemiah comes, the Comforter, Parakletos, is the word, of the Holy Spirit. When he comes to you, he restores, he rebuilds. Keep your eyes on what he's asked you to do. Keep your eyes on what's gripped your heart. See the stuff that gripped your heart in early days, church, about who you are and what God's put in you. Keep dreaming and believing. You're not finished yet. God's built a wall in your life already. Let's build another. Let's rebuild. Let's keep building, keep moving forward. And God will deal with your enemies. I want to pray for you. Um, If we could just stand, that would be great. I want to pray for you. Just close your eyes. Um, there's a lot in that story and I honestly wish there was three or four weeks. Would have been would have been fantastic to talk about it because I really had to condense a lot in it there. But, but close your eyes. In your former days, many of you had a mind to work. Many of you had a heart to work and a heart to believe that God had spoken something in your life that you could see the miraculous, that you could see the goodness of God. Many of you used to have a heart and a mind to believe. You believed his word but somewhere along the line, you partnered with a lie. Somewhere along the line, you partnered with what the enemy tried to say to you, which was that it's never going to work out. This is never going to be turned around for your good. You're never going to see breakthrough in this area. And some of you have partnered with that lie. But the truth of it is, and let this wash over your heart, Jesus started the work in you. Jesus commissioned the work in you. The high priest, Eliashib, started the work and the work started at the sheep gate and it ended at the sheep gate. The work starts with the sacrifice of Jesus in your life. That's where it comes from. And as the Philippians 1 verse 6 says, he who started it will bring it to completion. And that means that if you still have breath in your body, God is not finished with you yet. Those spiritual gifts that you have that haven't been exercised in a while, God has still given them to you. God has still given you a gift of faith to believe that no matter what, no matter what my circumstances are, nothing is impossible with God. Some of you have believed the lies and it's time to replace it with the truth. So in your own heart, replace whatever lie the enemy has brought against you. And expose yourself again to believing in faith, operating in faith, a gift given to me that takes hold of the grace that God's given me. So Father, I pray and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that in the middle of a story that is difficult with opposition, where we're attacked, reputation, relationships, people that sounds good, a difficult story to comprehend because we've experienced a lot of it. God, I thank you in the middle of it. What you say is, I'll strengthen your hands to keep building and I'll deal with your enemies at the right time. God says to you, I will strengthen your hands and I will deal with your enemies at the right time. God, we commit every situation that's going on in people's hearts right now. Holy Spirit, like Nehemiah, Yahweh comforts to surround your people right now. Holy Spirit, remind them that the outcome rests with you. The outcome rests with you, God. And our responsibility is just to keep building and keep trusting, keep believing. And today we choose that. I just break off the power of any lies that have been spoken over people about their family, about their relationships, about their provision, their protection, their health. I break off every lie in Jesus' name and I speak the truth over you that God is your protector. He's your provider. He's your healer. And I just speak a mind and a heart to work, believe that God is who he says he is speaking in Jesus' name.